A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Thanks everybody for joining us this week. Um, I've got a very exciting guest, um, a guest that I've met on LinkedIn and I didn't know much about him except that he keeps posting um, these amazing, um, this amazing content and I got quite curious. So I've, I, I've asked him to actually join us today. Um, his name is Brian. He will introduce himself as we always do on this platform. Um, but for anybody who's finding us for the first time, please subscribe and follow us if you're listening to us and share and give us some comments about the conversations that we're having. Um, so Brian, uh, please introduce yourself and we will then get into the detail of what we're going to talk about today. Oh, okay. Thank you, Mbume. Um, so Brian is an... My name is Brian Mtembi, in full context. Uh, I'm an organizational performance strategist, uh, founder and MD of BMC, a consulting firm that works on, that focuses on leadership, customer service, and strategy. So every day when I wake up, I obsess over one thing, you know, what makes companies great and what makes others not to be so great? Why other organizations thrive while others thrive, given the same factors? By factors, I mean giving the same talent pool, giving the same uh, legislations, giving the same customers, and, 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 and it all comes down to, to leadership. You know, I think, uh, like we were saying, we're, we're having a conversation with Mpume now that people join organizations because of good leadership, and people don't leave organizations, they leave bad managers. So yeah, that's what I do in a nutshell. I, I help organizations to, because my mantra is this. I, I always say leaders breed good employees and good employees takes care and retain customers and customers sustain the, the business. So that's, that's my focal uh, obsession, trying to understand. And, and, and I live in that sweet spot where businesses and customers meet with their employees to create great things. So yeah, wow. that's what I do. Wow, it sounds... Yeah, I know. It's something that anybody can do every day, right? I think yeah, it's just so exciting. Very, very exciting. Great. So talk to us briefly about your own career journey um, so that we've got context of where you come from and what you've done. Oh, okay. So it's, it's I think it's, it's, it's a career journey that most of us have. You know, you, you finish school, you go into corporate, you know, because society tells us to do that, you know, finish school, get a job and stuff like that. And with me, it was similar to that. So I've been in different industries. I've worked in the financial sector, I've worked in hospitality and travel. And I've, I've, been, in, I've, been, I've been in position where I've, I've been to, how do I put it? Where I've looked at leadership holistically from different leaders in different perspectives in different sectors. 
But I always knew that you say I am a teacher at heart, you know, and I just wanted I just needed to know what to teach about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you get exposed to do things and you get to see different leaders in different sectors and businesses that thrive and others thrive, and you see you happen to have that that eye to see what is it exactly that that is the difference, which is leadership. Then that's where the the bug hit me, and I said, this is what I want to do and help organization to understand it better. So my my career journey is that of school, corporate, and then finding your purpose, your why, and then just going for it and never looking back. Wow, so what did you study? What did you study? I studied business psychology, industrial organizational psychology. I hold a BCom honors in IOP from the University of Mesa. Yeah. So... I've always been passionate about business and people, especially the performance. I've always wanted to know why other people do great things and others don't, why other businesses do great things and others don't. So it's yeah. always been an obsession of mine, yeah. So that's, that's my journey. It's not, it's not that complicated. <laughs> so I can, relate, I can relate to the conversation of saying you wanted to be a teacher. Um, sure. Because I, I can vividly remember myself at university really wanting to, to, to share wisdom. And I could see myself in my older age actually teaching or sharing information. But what I know for sure is that I wouldn't be a teacher for primary school or high school, <laughs> but a teacher at an institution or tertiary is something that I've, I could always see myself doing. And it's something that... I think is innate in me somewhere. So hence, we have this conversation so that we can share wisdom, share information, and and hope that somebody takes something out of it. So so Brian, tell us, define for me what leadership is. Because we all have, for sure there's a textbook definition, and we all have our take on what this text, what Mm. the definition is for ourselves. Yeah, so leadership is very broad. You know, there's, I think, thousands of, of explanations out there. But I think you need to bring it home because I think it's, it's more relative. You know, you need to make it a bit subjective so it makes sense to you as a leader. So for me, leadership for me is the courage to influence change towards a desired vision. So I, I center leadership around three things. One is the vision. Two is courage and then influence. So if we can just spend a bit of time here, if, if we look at a vision, we, a leader always focuses on the horizon. You know, it's, it's all about anticipating the next change. It's anticipating what's going to happen in the future. That's why we need leaders. If, if it was not there, then we would be fine with managers, you know? But we need people who are going to help us foresee the future in a different perspective. But not only that, we need them to be courageous. This is the reason I say I center around vision, courage, and influence. Because change is not easy on its very own. So to, to anticipate change, I'm sure as a change specialist, you know how people are resistant towards change. And, and when, you, when you are a leader, you can't afford to, be, to, to resist change. You need to go through it. Not around it, but straight to it. So we need, we need, as a leader, you need to be courageous to face change and go through it. And the last one is influence. You need to have the ability to motivate those who have power 
and those who are below you to join you on the change, you know? And on, on the influence part is very broad because now you are, it's like you are on the middle. You have to deal with stakeholders as a whole. So how do you motivate or bring on board those who are above you, your investors and stuff like that, and also empower and motivate those who are below you to buy into the vision? How do you explain it so clear and so attractive that people want to follow you on that vision? So for me, that is leadership. It's courage, it's vision, courage, and influence. Hence, I say it's the courage to influence change towards a desired vision. So wow. that is leadership for me in a nutshell. That's a that's an amazing definition. That's a good yeah. I think that's a good definition. I have to say yeah. it resonates. It resonates a lot. So, but do you think leadership can be taught, or is it something that is innate in somebody? I think I think it's both. <laughs> so for me, for me, I think leadership is both an art and science. Yeah. Uh, it it is an art in a form that. It is, it is a practiced skill. It's, 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 it's something that you have to do to get better at. Hence, I say it's an art. You can, you can read books to an end, but if you don't get on the ground and get yourself your hands dirty, you'll never understand leadership. And again, this is because leadership is a continuous thing. It's, 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 you, you never get to fully understand it. You learn as you go. You know. Uh, so this is the reason I'm saying it's an art. But it's also a science because we, we still have to learn from the literature of it. You know, we still have to learn from uh, our mentors. We still have to impart some information uh, in order to be better at it, you know? So it's both. You, to, to practice it, it needs a lot of things. The, the traits must be there. Like we said that you need to have the courage. Courage is not for everyone. And it's not easy to teach courage. It's not easy to teach personality. Very difficult. You know, so I think it's both. You need to have a little bit of it in you and then you can you can enhance it through learning and being taught by your mentors and teachers and stuff like that. So for me, I think it can it can be taught, but you also need to have it in you because there are certain you need to deal with risks. You need to deal with rejection. You need to deal with this. And these things are embedded in a person's personality. So if you don't have that in you, leadership will break you. Yeah. But so how do we identify? How do we identify um, Mbume or a Brian out there and we say, we think this one has got leadership skills? What are we looking at? Like, like I say that you have to get your hands dirty. So it's a reference thing. We, we look at what you have done. We look at what you know, you know? So that's, that's what makes one a leader. We, people follow uh, a person whom they can trust. But we need to understand that trust is end. You know, you don't tell people to trust you. Mm. You do things that will make people to trust you. So that's, that's at the core of leadership. So leadership, we, fo- we look at people and we see how they do things. And if we like how they do things, then we get to follow them. Remember, there's no leadership without followers. And we're not talking about personal leadership, but we're talking about leadership in businesses and stuff like that. So people look at how you approach things. So you must be on the ground. You must be working. People must follow your work. So that's how we see it. So 
you can't read books and say you are a leader. Yeah. You need to get on the ground, do things and let people inspire people through action. So that's how people will be likely to follow you. Wow. So so leadership has got a people have to follow you to a certain extent. So you can you can't just claim to be a leader because there's always um a confusion between being a manager and being a leader. Do you want to talk to us a little bit <laughs> around that? Because um, people find themselves being managers and and some of us can say you are, you are a good manager, but you are not a good leader. Like what, what could, what's the difference? No, the difference is that uh, I, I always say, I think I even posted yesterday, I think it was on Twitter. Uh, I, I said, every leader needs a bit of a manager in him, you know? Uh, because, because look, in business, we're not always anticipating, uh, as much as we're always anticipating the future, but it comes a time where we need to control things and control processes. So what happens is leaders envision things, leaders bring about ideas of where we are going, but every process needs to be managed. So, so that's where we come into, where managers come into play. So uh, leaders envision the future, leaders inspire people, leaders take the initiative of change, but now managers make sure that the, the, the right protocol is followed in the journey. So they manage the journey. They make sure that people are on time, people are paid well, people have the right resources, People, so they, they are more into the controlling part of things, whereas leaders are more into the uh, envisioning. That's why they, 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 they operate more in a vision and the courage to take the action and say, this is where we're going. This is what we'll need. Now, when we have established that, managers then take control of that process. So wow, we, need, yeah. we need both. We need both. So you, we can't always be in, uh, even though we, we, we always live in the future and try to, to find new ways to do things. We still need to manage the process to get there. Okay, so, so I hear you. Yeah, we need both. We need both. That is the difference. One is always looking at the horizon and, and, and taking the, the courage and the leadership role. The other one is managing things and controlling things and making sure that everything is intact to get there. Yeah. yeah. So so talk to me, what, what are the challenges that you've seen um, most leaders go through? Leaders or me? You can be you. You can talk about you. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's start here. For me now, my greatest challenge in this leadership thing um, is is finding the right team to to work with. Like I was was telling you now that when you're saying you need a team, and I said, that is one of the most difficult things to do currently. Uh, Finding the right people is the first one. You know, people who will, as a leader, because you have a vision, but people need to understand it. Finding those people is very difficult. And the second thing is managing the turnover rate, the employee turnover, I tell you. And I think it's not only me, but a lot of small businesses suffer from this. Because look, we don't have the budget, right? And, and people want great things for themselves. And we're competing with big organizations. So people will join you to get the experience and they will then go to bigger organizations. And that is good. We're not saying they shouldn't and we are not saying in a bad light. We are just saying 
as a leader, one of the things you need to do is to be good at recruitment. You need to be very good, especially if you are still small. One of the things you need to spend time on learning is how do I create a recruitment process that is swift and fast and agile? Because fact is, you are going to lose top talent to top organization. And there is nothing wrong with it. People are trying to look out for themselves and their families. So for me, the biggest challenge that I think small businesses face, and we don't want to have a conversation around it, is turnover rate when it comes to employees. We always have new employees changing. Like, and it's the nature of it. You just have to get used to it. It's not going anywhere. As long as you are still small, you need to know that people are going to leave you for better organizations. And it's good for them. We are not saying, we are not trying to discourage them. But it's a challenge for us as small business. And, and this, the, the second one, if I may, sorry, uh, that I see leaders in general make is that they, they bask in their success far too long. Uh, there is this, I'm not sure, you, as, are you familiar with the, the, life, the business life cycle called the, the sigmoid cave? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if people were to understand that as leaders, to understand the sigmoid cave, it was going to be very easy because now uh, I, I have a sheet here, maybe for the viewers. So, if, so, if they... so talk to it so that for anybody who doesn't know, they can understand what you're referring to. Okay, yeah, I have, I have a piece of paper here. I, I'm not sure if they will see it. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah we can. can. Yeah, so now the, the, the sigmoid uh, cave, it says any business will start, right? It will struggle a bit, but it will eventually gain momentum. And then it will be on an upslope, you know, and it'll start making profit and all that. We call this the, 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 the Midas trap, where everything is just going so well in your business. Everything you touch, it turns to gold. But now there's a danger because it, 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 it's a paradox. It's more like uh, the, the law of gravity that says everything that goes up will come down. It's a, it's a fact, you know? So your business, when your business is doing well, you must always keep it in mind that at some point it will reach its plateau point. Yeah. And, and it will eventually come down. So if you bask in your success so too much and you don't anticipate innovation and change, chances are you will get to this point, the plateau point, and eventually you'll start to, 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 to decline. Your business will start to lose profit. So great leaders who understand these things when, they, when things are going well, you see at the point of this arrow here, yeah. they, they interrupt their mojo. So we call it a paradox because what it happens is you need to interrupt what's going well in order to sustain the growth. Yeah. So, so it's, it's very important for people to understand that when you are doing well, you must also have an edge of worry to say, what if the market changes? And you need to start changing. So the reason why I say it's a paradox is because imagine telling your team that we need to change ways of doing things, whereas we are doing great. So your team members is like, what are you talking about? We're winning. We're the best in the market. What we're doing is working. But they don't understand that if you don't do that, chances are you will plateau and you will go down. And the, yeah. only, way, the only way to anticipate that and the only way to keep growing is that when you are doing well, you start looking at better ways to innovate your products. To, mod to, to modify them or to enter new uh, markets and territories. You must always be on the lookout for these three or else you're going, your, your business or your products are going to take it down for So I think most 
challenge that leaders face is to, to stay too long in their success. They bask so long, too much on their success that they forget to innovate. And we have examples for, uh, about these uh, organizations. One, you remember what happened to Kodak? Yeah. Uh, remember what happened to our BlackBerry? They refused to innovate and to change. And now yeah. we are seeing a very disturbing demise of uh, our, our theater movie businesses. You look at what is happening at Stecker Nico, you look at what's happening in, in New Metro. You know, I think for me, uh, had they anticipated this change, they were supposed to be the Netflix and the, the show makes of today, but they did not yeah. see it coming and they are paying the price. Yeah, no, 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 very true. Um, and having spent um, half of my life within the business threat environment, I, I, I relate very well to that conversation. <laughs> and and the, the question becomes, why fix what, what is not broken, right? Exactly. But, so that's why, we say, that's why we say it's a paradox. So people say, yeah. what do you mean? So exactly, why fix what is not broken? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and in every business cycle or product life cycle, you definitely need to anticipate um, the plateau and, and ask yourself, because you, you find that you've captured the market anyway. So what is the next thing for you to be able to, to, to bring in that is going to then bring you another, another market? And, and you look, I know we're getting academic, which excites <laughs> me to a point, um, but you get to, to look at, at like the ends of metrics that says, so how do you look at growth and how do you then plan your next growth phase and, and where does that come from, you know? But yeah, this is not about that. This is about leadership, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's part of leadership. So yeah, let's let's <laughs> we're getting into the academics of things, but it's okay. But it's yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm so, sure the viewers uh understand and, and and we see that we're trying to drive a point. No, which is true. So so what do you wish you would have been told about leadership before? Um, within your career, what, what are the things that you wish you knew? I think uh, number one is that leadership is more EQ than it is IQ. I think okay, one of the talk things- Talk to us briefly about that. Like I was saying that it's, it's, it's not all in the, in the intelligence of things, but it's all in the doing of things. So like I was saying that when you are a leader, some of the things that you are going to deal with, they, they, they are there. You can't run away from them. It's things like rejection, you know, uh, things you need to learn, patience. Uh, and all these things, they, they are characteristics of emotional intelligence. So you can have great ideas, but executing the ideas, it's, it's a different story. You know, you need, you need to apply yourself. And applying yourself needs emotional uh, intelligence. So that's why I, I, I wish I understood. Because you learn these things when you're really inside and say, but this is not what I signed up for. Now you are in and you, you are dealing with pressure. How do you then handle pressure? How do you deal with change? And, and, and the passion that comes with being in business and entrepreneurship is crazy. And without emotional intelligence, you are likely to break and, and opt out. You know, so, yeah. so I, think, I think a lot of people need to understand this. If you're going into leadership, uh, you need to learn that it will, it will be more about emotional intelligence. Because again, you're dealing with, a lot, you're dealing with people. Leadership is about people. 
at, at, at its very core. And, and, and without emotional intelligence, it will be very difficult because people are different, different personalities, different temperaments, different that and this, you know. So as a leader, you need to be able to accommodate those things, have empathy, compassion, you know, and you also have to have that self-awareness to understand that they don't consume you in the process. So it's just a lot. For me, EQ uh, is at the forefront of leadership. So I, I wish I learned that early. And so, and so how do you learn it? For somebody who's, list, who's listening to us, it's like, okay, I hear, I hear you, Brian, but how do I learn this? What, where do I go? <laughs> it's very difficult. Like I said, it's very difficult. I think you just need to, uh, again, it's, it's, you, 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 you read about this thing and you try to practice them in, in practical senses as, as much as you can. But like I said, that is not easy. Hence, I said leadership is both art and science. So you learn, you, 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 you make time and learn about uh, emotional intelligence, but you also need to put yourself in places where that emotional intelligence will be tested and, and yeah. sensitize the nerve and get used to it. It's like rejection. The more you ask, the more you go for it, the more you, you sell, you know, you get used to this thing. So it's, a, it's in the application of what you learn. So the, the sooner you do that, the better. Yeah. And I think just to add, I think, on what you're saying, there's an element of you knowing yourself. You need to know yourself quite well. Um, and, and that becomes the stepping stone for then say, where do I have gaps? Even when you're learning and you're getting to understand that emotional intelligence yeah. is about one, yeah. two, three, four. Then you can actually yeah. assess where you feature in, in the mm -hmm. spectrum and they're where the gaps are for you to then intentionally work on those things. Because who teaches you about some of those things? Nobody, really. You, yeah. But you must know who you are and you must know your values and what matters to you as well so that you're able to then um, bridge the gap to get to the best version of yourself, I would believe. Yeah, of course, it, it, it has to start with self-awareness. You need to first understand who you are, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and understand so that you can then know how to apply yourself in other people. But also you need to have that, uh, what is this, uh, the ability to empathy and compassion and stuff like that. So you can, you can be able to put yourself in other people's shoes and, and, and understand what they're going through and understand where you can take from yourself so that you can help. And if you don't have that strength, you source it out somewhere. You know, we, we don't have all the answers, but this is the reason why we, we, we need to have people around us. You know, we need to have teams because we, we, we cannot perfect in, in all sectors. So we need other people to help us. So it starts with self-awareness. Yeah, no I, I, no, I agree. And so in your journey of having worked for corporate and now you are working for yourself, what mistakes have you seen um, leaders do or witnessed leaders do that you just want to mm -hmm. highlight? Uh, in, in the corporate space? Yeah, either in the corporate space or in business in general. Yeah, like the first thing we said, we talked about the basking in their success. Number two is not investing too much in their people, not understanding the power that lies within in investing in your, in, in, in your team, you know? Uh, I think there is greater, we cannot imagine the, 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 the great that is a culture. 
I always say your, your, your culture is your, your number one recruitment tool. Uh, how you treat your people, your, your people's livelihood, they reflect a, a mirror of you when they are on the outside. The, the more happier your employees are, uh, the, the kind of life that they lead, it says a lot about you. So people want to join businesses with happy employees. So you will, if, if you take care of your people, you are more likely to, to, to attract top talent by default. So I, I think leaders need to start paying more attention to that. Take care of your people and they will, they will reflect on you. And like I said, that my mantra is that leadership is about taking good care of your people. Your people will then take good care of your customers and your customers will take care of your holistic business. So that's, for me, that's that. Let's break it down though, Brian. So taking care of your people to Brian and taking care of your people to Bume can mean totally different things. What does it mean to you? What are, what are the tangibles? What are, what are the tangibles when you're saying, I'm taking care of my people? What does it look like? Oh, yeah, we can, we can talk another three hours about that, trust me. Give me three, give um, me three. We don't have to talk forever. <laughs> number one, it has to be psychological safety. One, psychological safety. People must come to work to a place where they feel free to express their, their thoughts, to express their opinions without fear of being judged or ridiculed. So psychological safety is very important. Number two is uh, equitable pay. You know, I think pay people their worth, you know? Uh, if, if the, once employees uh, re realize that you are not equitable or you don't, you don't pay them fairly, you will never gain their trust again, never. It's, 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 it's something that is very important for, for leaders to understand. But if you pay them well, according to, if you are equitable within the organization and you're also equitable in the marketplace, you are more likely to retain them. And the last one, develop your people. Develop your people. I always say this, I say most leaders ask themselves, what if I train them and they leave? And I always say, what if you don't and they stay? Who's sitting with the problem now? <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's, that's the question. So, for me, is, is taking care of your people is having a culture that recognizes them, that develops them, and that provides them a good livelihood. That's it for me. Okay, that is succinct. Um, we didn't have to speak too long about that. But I think, I think the points that you've made um, resonate um, because the developmental perspective is, is quite is, is massive. You don't want to be sitting with people that are not keen to develop themselves as well. So you can exactly. provide the platform, but they also need to be willing to develop themselves. Yeah. And I've witnessed yeah. people that get given opportunities in corporate and they're like, oh, ah, 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 no, this is too much. I just <laughs> want to be paid and that's enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and, and the fair pay, the fair pay for me raises questions around gender pay issues and differences and 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 having experienced it myself <laughs> that's another no, kind of I, I, exactly i wanted to say let's not start let's not open that one we won't finish this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so and, uh, and, yeah. and what usually fascinates me about the gender pay um conversation is that 
when I did my major, so I did my major in economics, and one oh, of okay. the one of my modules was gender economics, which okay. literally had theories and 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 models around the fact that women are always paid less than men. But anyway, yeah. I know that becomes another another story on its own. But let's we yeah, can, I know that we can have another podcast around it. It's it's it's, it's a different <laughs> conversation altogether. No, I know, I know. So, so tell me, who have been your role models um, when it comes to leadership? Who are the people that you really think you've learned um, um, something from? So, so for me, I have, I have teachers and I have uh, people whom I look up to on the ground, people who are already doing the work. So there, there's a gentleman called Jim Collins. I don't know if you know him. Uh, one of the greatest, uh, for me, he's one of the best uh, leadership researcher. He's, he's very good. Uh, he written books like, some of these books is good to great. I'm not sure if you ever heard of that book. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And Build to Last mm. is, 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 is phenomenal. The second one is obviously, who, who, who doesn't follow John C. Maxwell? <laughs> uh, one of the, of the best teachers of our times. And I also followed a lot of teachings from the late Dr. Miles Mandrew, simply because of the perspective of Christianity and, and, and all that. I, I resonate a lot in that space. And, and on the ground, bringing it here in South Africa, I'll, I'll have to go with, of course, Nelson Mandela, the, the embodiment of courage and peace. And so I, 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 I'm, I'm a, I, I learn a lot from his, his ways of doing things. And the second one has to be Sizwe Nasana. I, I, I appreciate how he, like I was telling you, he doesn't bask in his success. He's always on to the next one. And I love how he diversify his growth, you know, different sectors to different sectors. So I, I also like that about him. And, and the gentleman, Bonang Muhale. Mm. Uh, I, I recently read the book, uh, Lift As Your Eyes. Yeah. You know, it gives too much insight on especially what we're talking about, taking care of the people and motivating and empowering people as you get to greater heights. So, yeah, those are the other six people that I can give you from a perspective of teachers and those who are working on the ground. Yeah, no, I think I think those are good names. Those are good names. So if somebody was listening to us or hearing us, um, what is the one thing that you love for them to take out of this conversation? Uh, number one, we're going to go back to the Sigmund curve. Agility is everything in business, especially in the world of accelerated change, you know, complexity and stuff like that. So you need to always be on your toes. Agility will have to be your number one thing, you know, always anticipate your next move as a leader. And the second one, build relationships, you know. Uh, let your wealth lie around relationships. Build quality relationships because you're going to need them. There is no leadership without influence. And influence is about, it revolves around people. So you need people who will influence spaces for you. You need people who will knock on your behalf on doors that are closed. So you, you need sponsors, mentors, and to also have those mentees as well. You need to just be in that space where you mentor people, you have sponsors, you have that, and you have great business uh, relationships in your, in, in your space. 
So build relationships and always anticipate change. Yeah. And, and something has just popped in my head. And I usually, that, that was supposed to be our last question, but I always do this. Like something kind of comes up and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to ask this, this question. So, okay. so the pandemic um, really caused havoc um, to a whole lot of things. How do you think it impacted um, leadership to a certain extent? Or what, or what has it brought into the leadership space that you can think of? In terms of business, it, it brought about this thing that I'm talking about, that nothing is, is, is guaranteed, you know? Uh, we, need to always, we need to always be ready for change. This is what we've been talking about. So always anticipate change and always be willing to, you must always know that your business can take any turn. And are you flexible enough? So leaders in business must remain flexible to anticipate the change. I think that's one. Number two is it has changed how we deal with our people, with our, our, our employees. Because one of the things that it did, and leaders need to, 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 to get in pass on this one, is that people now value autonomy. So autonomy is more important than money. You know, this is because uh, people don't trust organizations anymore. That we need to understand. People, because they know that what happened with COVID, most organizations closed and stuff like that. People were uh, retrenched and stuff like that. So people don't trust organizations. They want something to fall back on. So they value autonomy because they will be able to start side hustles and stuff like that. People are big on side hustles today. So leaders need to understand that, that this is not personal. For people to want more autonomy, to want to work from home, it's not personal. It's just people trying to, to look out for themselves. You know, they, they've seen the dangers of not anticipating change or the dangers of uh, putting your entire livelihood on someone's hands, you know? So people are, are, are more skeptical now. They say, it's fine, I can work for you, but I also need a couple of hours for myself so I can create something for myself. Because when, when something happens, you look out for yourself. So I need to have something to, to, to fall back on. So leaders need to, to get to speed with this thing of leading people from, uh, what is this, flexible uh, working hours and, and working from home and stuff like that. This is the new thing and it's not going to change. This is the new era. They just need to sensitize themselves and get on board. So yeah. for me, I think that's what, that's what, uh, COVID did. It made us understand that, you know what, uh, we also don't need this much hours in the office as we used to. You know, certain things are just not. Commuting from work, petrol, and all these things, to go and sit in a, in a open your laptop in the office while you can just open your laptop at home. Like, really. So they need to understand that autonomy is more important for employees now, more than ever. And for valid reasons. You know, Brian, you say that, but we've got We've got companies that have um, demanded or that their people need to come back to the office. Um, so what do we say to that conversation? Where it's either they've said there's hybrid, there's a hybrid element of being in the office or working or, and working from home. And others who have just said, you're, come back, you're coming back to the office full time. Like, what is that mentality yeah. of a leader that still wants to see their people clocking in between eight and five? What is that all about? 
I think it's about control. You know, if 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 your leadership style is autocratic, that's what you're going to do. You know, it's about control. It's about micromanaging people. It's it's scared leadership. I call it scared leadership. But the problem is they they're going to pay with talent. They're going to lose top talent, and they're not going to to to, to attract top talent. So that's that's one. The price they're going to pay is that one. People want autonomy. I promise you. So if you're forcing people to the office. You're forcing them to imagine having to at this petrol rate, you know, the, the price of petrol, the price of food and everything. And you still want people to waste money commuting to and from work. You are you are playing a very dangerous game. This is the reason why people are working for international companies while they're here, because they can just work yeah. from the comfort of their home. It makes more sense. And it also bridges this gap of work life balance. You know, it makes things more flexible and, and stuff like that. So good leaders and good organizations understand that and they are looking into that perspective. And I think every leader should look into that or else you'll lose top talent and you won't attract top talent. But maybe there's justification about all the big buildings that are out there, that are offices. That's the conversation we've been having to say, some of the reason is because they, they've rented these big offices and, but there's, there's, there's a flexible way to do this. Let people go to, twice in a week two times a week, three times a week, but give them that autonomy, give them that uh, freedom to sometimes work from home. It can't be that they have to report every day, unless if there's a need, then they can come. Then that's when you're going to utilize your big spaces. But after all is said and done, they just need to find a way to get rid of these things. But again, we don't have to, to take into account for those who, for, for, for efficiency, some of them need people in their offices. You know, we, we, we're not saying everyone must work from home. But if, if you can, you really need to look into that angle. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Brian. Um, this has been a great conversation. And thank you for <laughs> taking the time on a very cold Friday morning for us to be recording this. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. It's indeed a, a great pleasure and a privilege for me to be here. I think you, you're onto something. Your YouTube channel is phenomenal. It's great. Your guests, I, I, I think I watched uh, about three to four episodes and very insightful. So I'm, I'm honored to be in this platform myself. It's, it's indeed a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for just being easy. Um, because I literally just sent you a, a DM on LinkedIn and you were like, oh yeah, I know I'm game. Let's do this. So thank you for <laughs> thank you not for a problem at all. Yeah, no, not a problem. Yeah. So, so if, if for further conversation, you know I'm that easy. So you just send an email and we work. No, 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 that's great. So for anybody who's been listening to us, um, I hope you've really taken something out of this. And if you are finding us for the first time, please definitely follow us, um, subscribe and comment. We really love to hear what you think about these conversations. And if you've got any other perspectives and opinions, we will engage with them. So I thank you. Thank you for that. So Brian, if people are looking to find you, where do they get hold of you on social media? Oh, okay, so it's, it's Brian Mtembi. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Brian Mtembi or at Brian Mtembi. Mtembi with an I, not Mtembu. Mtembi. Oh, okay. Okay. Brian no, Okay. <laughs> so Brian yeah. Mtembi on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Yeah. 
Is there a website or not? Yeah, www.brianmtemi.co.za. Okay. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, no. Email? Uh, info at brianmtemi.co.za. Okay. No, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you for okay. that. And we hope um, okay, people will get hold of you. Yeah. No, thank you very much for, for inviting me. I, I had great fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to come back again. You know, we have a lot to discuss. So we'll have more discussions further. I think let's come back and talk about the gender pay gap. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can do that. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Uh, have a Thank good you very one. much. Eh? Thanks. On yourself. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Mbedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.